Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. All right, guys, welcome in. It is 7.35 a.m. on January 24th. The end of January is in sight, and it is Monday morning. It means it's time for another episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, co-host, friend, and football uh, person. personnel, person, football person. <laughs> you know, that's that's a good title. Football person, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how you doing this fine Monday morning? Good. I was like the, uh, one of my favorite, like my dream title was director of football. I saw that one a few times on uh, some, for some of the college guys. Like, what do you do? I'm the director of football. Like, yes, what about the president are. of football? I like the president of football. Yeah. even even more official yeah no um man scott what a fantastic week of football uh that we just had in front of us obviously we're going to get into these games a bit talk a little bit of the overtime rules as i can see the chat is already getting in on but just in general uh i want to take a second to appreciate you know forget about the end result just the quality of football that was played this weekend and how every single game was as close as any game could possibly be uh and such Quarterback play, superstars making plays, uh, good good defensive lines making plays. Uh, it it had everything. It had everything. It was such a great weekend of football. Yeah, and uh, just a couple of things. And I've already been in here a little bit, mixing it up. Some couple of things I want to, and it's and it's nice when you got the microphone. Yeah, so the, what's nice about about digital about digital communications is you can get the last word because I don't have to read this side. <laughs> I wanted to uh, to talk about a couple of things and clarify them. One, should they have squib kicked? No, I don't think so. Um, the Bills, obviously, the Bills coming down. 13 seconds left with a, with a squib kick. Um, a squib kick, you don't start the clock until the ball is touched by the opposition. And a squib kick can hit somebody early and fall on it quick. And you picked up 20 yards with only running off one second. You can fall on it on the 35. When they lined up, I said, kick that thing through the damn end zone. Kick it as far as you can. You should be able to stop somebody with 13 seconds, for God's sakes. And the other one is the overtime rules. I... I who likes the overtime rules? People are saying, well, you know them in advance. So what? It's still a crap rule. Well, when it, you know, you should be able to stop it in 13 seconds. Wait, I didn't say one time the Bills lost this game because of a coin flip. Not once. Mm-hmm. They lost it because they couldn't stop a team with 13 freaking seconds left. That's why they lost the game. Has yeah. nothing to do. I don't care who it is. I don't care how the game was won or lost. Both teams should have a ch- should have equal opportunity. Uh, in baseball, you get your fair ups. I mean, you get your fair ups. It's unfair if you don't get your ups. That's just the way it is. No. Um, so I, I don't like the rules. Uh, knowing them in advance isn't going to make me like them anymore or think they're any more fair. And I felt cheated last night. I really did. I, I wanted to see uh, just two just amazing quarterbacks playing at the mm. highest level in their teams. I I think you wanted to see, we all wanted to see, well, maybe not all, but we wanted to see both of them get a chance until one of them blinked. And we were cheated of that because of an archaic rule. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because 
they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Yeah, they should. uh, I think it's pretty obvious that they should allow the other team to respond regardless of the first possession. Uh, But, you know, who knows Uh, what would have happened if that happened? Either way, we knew the rules going in. Chiefs were the better team in the way the the playoffs are formatted that everybody agreed to. Congratulations to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who will be hosting a record straight fourth straight AFC championship game. Just makes me sick to even say, but fourth straight AFC championship game. And I want people hosting hosting. Hosting because uh, because the Bills played and they had to have played in four straight because they played in four straight Super Bowls and lost. Yep, no, but hosting fourth straight Super Bowls. No team beforehand had ever done it three times in a row, and the Chiefs have done it now four times. So, Mm -hmm. congrats, congratulations, Kansas City. God, freaking arseholes. Uh, DWI guys, not not an arsehole. I think maybe they say that across the pond there to make it not as bad. Um, Ethan, good morning to you, Ethan, with the fifty pounds. God bless you. Um. That is amazing. Contribution to the higher Hackett fund, higher Nathaniel Hackett fund. Uh, let's get them locked down ASAP. What a great weekend of games. Well, Ethan, thank you so much for supporting us and helping us. And you are, you've been such a difference maker for us, our shows. So, uh, God, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know where to start. Thank you so much, Ethan. Happy Monday to you. And uh, hopefully have another great weekend of games next week. Yeah. So we, uh, we talked to the show off. Yeah. The, the, the football, like I, I said, beginning of this, the playoffs, I'm like, I just, I just don't remember. And, and granted, yeah. I haven't followed NFL football this closely in a long time. Uh, I was professional in college. And then when I was out of things, uh, my fandom was somewhere else. So I haven't followed professional football this closely in a while, in several years. I, but I just never. And one of the reasons why I never really remember getting the feeling that it was this wide open that it really was. And maybe the Chiefs are going to go and just win the whole thing again, and it's all going to feel like a sham. But the Bills had that game. I mean, they didn't have it, but it was they they were certainly in it. The Chiefs are not by far and away. We're not talking about the 2000s of Kobe and Shaq or, you know, the the Michael Jordan Bulls or the Tom Brady Patriots, for that matter, where you just, you know, going in who the teams are going to be. you know, I picked the Bills and the Packers. Hell, they're both gone in the divisional round. Yep. Uh, you know, so it's uh it's 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 been an, an incredible ride, and I'm looking for really looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, and this game really uh this Bills Chiefs game specifically really emboldened me that uh you think your team has enough cornerbacks. If you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, you're wrong. You need four or five guys and his track meets uh, to last that end of the game. You saw what I posted after the San Francisco game, or I'm sorry, after the Rams game and Bucks game. How about some freaking safeties? Don't tell me. Oh, I believe you. I believe you 100% that the safety position has been devalued by personnel. It shows. Yeah. The safety play is awful. It's awful. 
let's put a little bit more value into the guys that are going to rent you looking like a fool late in the game. Yeah. Here's to the I safety. Did. You know what was fun after I tweeted that? Kyle Hamilton's dad retweeted me. No way. <laughs> That's <laughs> he awesome. Hashtag that safeties matter. I'm like, I was speaking to you, Mr. Hamilton. Absolutely. Hashtag future Denver Bronco. Uh, although, unless Scott's Falcons really make me upset, which is possible. Um, we'll see what happens. We got Juan coming in. Good morning to Juan Gonzalez. Uh, he says good morning to us. That's a nice one. Uh, two questions for us. Uh, the last three candidates, who do you like between them? So th- I guess let's get into this first. Thank you, Juan, for kicking us off here. The Broncos have officially, unofficially, I think it's unofficially because it hasn't come from the team account itself, but uh, they're, they've chopped their candidate list down from 10 to three. And the final three men standing, according to Mike Kliss's league sources, are to the people that people thought it would be in the likes of Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, and Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator, Atlanta Falcons former head coach, Dan Quinn. The one who was maybe a little bit of a dark horse that is still hanging. It's not Jonathan Gannon, like a lot of people were assuming with the connections to the Broncos organization with Peyton and Philly Eagles defensive coordinator, but rather it is Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. So your final three, Dan Quinn, Kevin O'Connell, and Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, who do you guys like? How do you like out of those last three? I think good job. I mean, two of the three offensively, that's great to see because the Broncos need to score some points. Um, if that's about probably what you were just about to say. Um, and uh, I'm excited about them. I really like O'Connell. I'm a big fan. It's two out of three, but unless it's one of those two, I'm going to feel like it was just a little misdirection. Mm-hmm. See, they got me. We, we went out and looked at the offensive guys. We just didn't think they were the right fit for us. Yeah. We, we think that uh, we, we felt good going with Dan Quinn. So a lot of the, it seemed like all of the coordinators were offensive guys in Dan Quinn. Uh, that they were that they were interviewing and looking at. So just a little misdirection. So I don't I don't know. That's a um, I think Monsters Inc. reference, by the way. Kids movies, sports, and cars. That's about the only things I know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd still like to see. I'd still like to see Hackett. Yeah. I really would. Um, we can get into a little bit of just for a shade. I know there. I feel like when we talk Rogers, we are talking Broncos, and part of this game. Um, which team, this is pretty easy, Nick, which team is more quarterback dependent, the Green Bay Packers or the San Francisco 49ers? The Packers. The Packers. Okay. So when you're playing in zero degree weather, snow and wind, you just have the great quarterback killer. You just have the equalizer out there. So you brought the quarterback level down, the passing game level down. So if I'm looking at that and thinking, wow, you know, who wants those guys? Who wants... Hackett and Rodgers is overrated, blah, blah, blah. Nobody could throw the ball in that weather. It, the, the passing game was neglect, neglect, not neglected, negated, negated. I still am a Aaron Rodgers believer uh, in the right, you know, I'm still an Aaron Rodgers believer. I still think Hackett is a good football coach. That game didn't sway me one direction or the other. Um, I was impressed with San Francisco going in and being that, you know, that tough in uh, in Green Bay. Loved it. And you have to think that the next game that was being played, Tampa, Florida, L.A. Rams were actually pretty happy that San Francisco won that game because they not only get to get home, but it means they don't have to go to Green Bay in January. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was great. That was a great game. Uh, The special teams, man, that was horrible, kind of laughable. Uh, There must be something in the laws of the universe that an an NFC North team has to cost a game special teams wise every four years. Cause you've had the bears, you've had the Vikings. Now the Packers do that Uh pretty big, 
pretty hilarious. We'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers down the stretch. There's here. something else in the universe that says Tom Brady has to get 15 chances a game. Yeah, I mean that's the, the, the Rams. It was unbelievable. Yeah. When's the last time y'all saw four lost fumbles and 30 and a missed field goal in in, in 31 minutes? Win or lose. And Tom still, Brady devil magic. At the point, like, good God, didn't Tom Brady do a guest spot on Lucifer? Wouldn't yeah. Lucifer <laughs> doing Tom Brady some favors? This is just it's it's insane. It is and they go out and win. And when, when Stafford stepped back, y'all have heard me say before, when you get a one, two, three, four throw, one, two, a three step, five step, seven step drop, and you throw in rhythm, and he went one, two, three, four, five and turned it loose. I was on my feet. Yeah. He just I was like, here it goes. I mean, like, you don't throw that unless you in that rhythm like that, unless you feel like you've got it. And then you look back, you know, Cooper Cup's got three steps. <laughs> like, Cooper Cup, yeah. What are you doing? Depth at cornerback. I know safety play has been devalued. Yeah. Not anymore. Bring back the safety. Bring back the safety. And also two teams that this really maybe not to, you know, pedal this is to my own propaganda here, but um you had two teams here. Um, one team that was, you know, cover zero look at the end of the game, which a lot of for some people in Broncos country, oh, we want to blitz more. We want to blitz more. Um, the winning formula in the NFL on defense is to rush with four. Uh Buccaneers could not do that at the end. It cost them that one final drive. Uh and the 49ers did it great. They were able to get pressure with four consistently. And because of that, they were able to keep players deep and they were able to bracket Devonte Adams. And that pretty much piddled down the, the Packers offense. It's amazing how many mistakes a four man rush can cover up because yeah. the Rams offense special teams just, it was all offense. Wasn't it? Yeah. The four fumbles, Cam yeah. Akers fumbled snap and Cooper cup. Yeah. And then a, uh, and then a, a, a field goal miss. And they win the game. Why? And that's why I felt like as I was watching this, I'm like, okay, you know what I'm thinking watching 27 to three and Tom Brady, for God's sakes. I'm like, I've I've seen this movie before. I'm like, yeah, but the Falcons didn't have Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. They can get after them with four um, and, and still, and still go get it. So, uh, you know, as many mistakes as the Falcons made in the Super Bowl, they didn't make that many. They didn't make as many as the Rams just did. The Rams just had a, a much more balanced team. Yep, exactly. And the final question here, uh, Stingley Jr. versus Aquanu at nine. Um, who would you pick if they were there? I think it's more likely that Stingley's there than Aquanu. Both these guys, I have two big questions for each of them um, before I could fully answer this. Uh, Derek Stingley, there's some talk out there that there may be some concerns about his foot. Um, so that's something you want to watch for. And Iquanu, that arm length, does he come in at thir- 33 34 inches if he's under 33 uh uh-oh like that that guy's a guard uh if he's 33 we saw Rashawn Slater last year make it at 33 at left tackle that's not typical I think there's only one offensive tackle in the entire NFL that's sub 33 so he has to be at least 33 if he's 34 then he he's made I don't care if he's 6'3 he's gonna be fine um but I I guess right now I lean Iquanu uh but I would be over the moon with either of these guys based on what I know right now yeah I I'd probably go Stingley honestly um if if he checks out with a clean bill of health, I, I think yeah. you know Stingley. It's a little scary though that he came into the scene with that much hype and then has fallen off some. Okay, yes. is he is he tapped out? Is this it? Um, basically, if he could be a true number one corner, I'd rather have him than I'd rather have the true number one right yeah. now than Iquanu as a tackle. If you More told impactful. me, let's flip this around a little bit and say who would you rather have, Penny Sewell or? or Pat Sertan, I would have taken Penny Sewell. So I, I actually like the tackle a little better than the corner, if, assuming they're both blue-chip guys. I just don't, I don't know enough about Aquano at this point 
So there's there's questions there for both of them. Yeah. If Stingley falls, it's because there the the questions have been answered negatively. He yeah. should he should go higher than than nine if uh, if he's a clean if he's got a clean bill of health. Yeah, I mean, there'll be questions with both those guys. We'll have a chance to dig into them more. But we want to say hello to some more people in the chat here. Thank you for the question. Uh, Juan coming in with our first comment there. We're still on. Sean Burns, good morning. Playoffs are enjoyable so far. This weekend was. Hoping the Broncos get the right coach and quarterback if there is one to take. The morning show is my favorite. Well, Sean. Cheers. You're, you're my favorite, Sean. No, that, thank you so much, Sean, for the for the comments. Really nice of you to say. We appreciate oh, it. Luke saying good morning. My son's name is Sean, and he's got the, uh, the S-E-A-N, good old-fashioned Irish spelling, too. Yeah, that's Irish. I'm German over here. We're uh, Ostfriesland. I thought Ostfriesland. I was German until I had a kid named Sean McAllister Kennedy with a four-leaf clover born on his butt. So, yeah, I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs> uh the new season of it's always sunny they go to ireland it's pretty fun uh michael laziri coming in is it uh if this is really true well then it's a solid trio to choose from but i'll admit i was hoping brian callahan would be a final consideration and he's saying the playoffs are depressing watching alan who he is now just sad and frustrating yeah it's uh god man it'd be nice to go back in time and be like hey elway you should probably hire kyle shanahan keep shaq barrett and draft josh allen but alas uh that's that offseason was Sliding doors, and who knows Dan what would have been. Promote, cr- promote Matt Lafleur instead of uh, instead of uh, hiring Steve Sarkeesian. You know, hindsight is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at that LA offense, though, um, Quinn passed on the floor because he wasn't sure that he was ready to be an offensive coordinator. They went from like thirty-two to one that year that, that McVay brought him in. Um, there's more to it than that, obviously, but it, the, the the differential in I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, Nick. It was in points. I was looking yeah. up the Rams and it was like, they were like 30 first or 32nd points scored. And then in 2017, they went to like one, I'm like, yeah. wow, that's yeah. pretty impressive. That is impressive. It is impressive. I don't know if you saw, did you see the win probability chart of that chiefs bills game too? I mean, I've never seen anything like was that. 50, 50. I don't know. Uh, no, did oh, you see oh as, it, as, it, as each team scored. Yeah. With 13 <laughs> seconds, with 13 seconds, it's, it, yeah, it, it's which which pretty much means if you roll it back to the third quarter, you say it's 50-50, the last team with the ball. Unfortunately, it came down to a coin yeah. flip, last team with the ball. Hmm. Um, but it, it's one of those you say whoever has the ball last is going to win this game. Yep. Unfortunately, that turned out to be true. And that was somewhat decided by a coin flip, but uh, I'm just bitter. Uh, we got DBA coming in. Good morning, y'all. Heard Sean Payton might want out of New Orleans, but he might, want, might not want to sit out a year. Not sure what the sitting out a year is about. Um, I'm not sure how we could fill the head coach for a year, but I wish we could get him. Is there a rule here that I'm unaware of about? No, Sean he, he might want to. He might, he might want, want to, to take a year, year off, do okay. a nice cushy media assignment before getting back into it. Um, Mike hmm. Fisher, Cowboys SI, has been banging that drum because he knows that Jerry Jones loves Sean Payton. So nobody can pay a little him bit more. Of smoke there. There's there's a little bit of smoke there for sure. Um, good morning, U.S. Dave. This is a comment I like here. Burrow was sacked nine times and still beat the Titans. Um, so we figured out if we're doing a little math here, as we're doing our, uh, doing our formulas, three interceptions is greater than nine sacks. Uh, I think that's, I think that's what we found out in that one. So, um, you got a chance to recover from a sack. Uh, you can, it's hard to do that from an interception, let alone nine of them. Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you being here. I, when, when I see you come in sometimes in the evening shows, I say, Anthony goose Edwards, I put you down there. So. So, you know, for me, Anthony Edwards is always goose from from Top Gun. Uh, Nick's probably uh, too young. He probably thinks of Anthony Edwards as being on one of those doctor shows or that's still probably too old for him. 
But yes, Anthony Edwards, we appreciate you being here. And I'm sure you're tired of hearing that. Apologies in advance. But I think it's a cool name, especially with the double E. So it's finally on a work schedule where I can watch my favorite morning sport, sports show. Thank you guys for the great work. Yesterday was a great day for sports fan. Sports fans. Yeah, especially if you started at 1130 Eastern and watch Chelsea whip Spurs in a London derby. So uh, that was a nice way to warm up before a great day of football. It was. It was a terrific day for the for the sports fan. Uh, for the neutral, especially, to uh, to watch some really, really entertaining football games. And appreciate you, Anthony. Thank you so much, Anthony. We appreciate you. Uh, we got KB82 coming in. I've never seen so many sacks in the playoffs ever. Um, that's the This is the thing that we talked about with, at least I talked about with uh, Justin Fields coming out of the draft, where Justin Fields is going to take a lot of sacks. It's because he's greedy in the pocket, looking for the big play, holding on to it for to the last moment to make something happen. And uh, we saw that with Joe Burrow getting sacked nine times, but still creating enough plays down the field vertically where it it worked. And the thing about the Bengals offense and Joe Burrow that they have that, let's say the Broncos don't have is that they, they can live getting out of those sacked plays. I mean, how many times were those sacks? Did they automatically result in the Bengals having to punt? I, I would guess that at least half of them, they still ended up getting the first down, which is insane. Um, but for the Broncos, I mean, you'd get a run stuff and it'd be second and 10 and you might as well punt it. Bengals are third and 15. And you still think they are a viable option to convert that first down playing a different game, game. That game was 19 to 16. The defense did their jobs. It's not yeah. like that Joe Burrow recovered from all those and still put up a 30 spot on them. No, that was the defense picking off Tannehill three times. Yeah. Like I said, it was, it was the three interceptions ended up trumping the nine sacks. You're not normally going to win if you're giving up nine, nine sacks. sacks, but you don't yeah. often get three interceptions in a game either. Yeah. So the, the, the turnovers, as we've said, is the turnovers are much more damaging than the sacks. And I think if we ever needed proof of that, we just got it. Yep. Yeah. No turnovers are big. And also, um, I don't know if you guys recall, but when we were heading into that Broncos Cincinnati game, I was pretty taken aback by how good the advanced metrics liked the Bengals defense um, because of how much the Bengals offense had not helped the defense with the peripherals, turnovers, field position, uh, amount of plays per drive, three and outs per drive. A lot of things that the Bengals actually were struggling with and the per possession uh, data for the Bengals defense was top 10 in the NFL. And they were not, not really thought of as a top 10 unit. And they, they've actually been a pretty good unit here down the stretch. I think the biggest thing for the Bengals down the stretch here, I think they've gone six games in a row now where they haven't turned the ball over or something, five games in a row. They haven't turned the ball over. You're going to win football games when you're not turning the ball over. It's just, it's especially when you have a good quarterback. Uh, Clee says, my favorite formula is one where we score more points than the other team. It's almost foolproof. That's not the formula, though. Yeah. That's the that's the answer. That's the outcome. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the outcome you the want. The formula is everything that leads up to the answer of total points. But no, I get it. Just, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I can tell you what the score of the game is going to be before it even starts. Zero, zero. Yeah. I'm good like that. Nathan it. coming in with some stars. Appreciate you, Nathan. Getting us started on Facebook today. Getting us started with some stars. So appreciate you, Nathan, and uh, and good morning to you. As good Nick morning. is going for a pour. Getting more coffee. I need it. It's Monday morning. Uh, last week was this short week with Martin Luther King Day. We got the full week this week, so I need to need all of it I can get. Also, two hikes this weekend. Uh, got, getting up early, greeting the sun. So uh, been up this early, but did not catch up on sleep like I normally do. So let's get into it a little bit, Scott, while the chat is still coming. And we're probably going to go about another... 15 minutes here today to see if anybody comes in. Uh, but hit, uh, yeah, I'm going to hit Mark here real quick. Mark, Mark came in yeah. with some big stars this morning. He says, what a weekend of football. Good morning, guys. Watching the Chiefs game. We have a lot of work to do to beat either team. 
Yeah, I uh, I said I wasn't the only one. This isn't some you know big bold hot take that this was the AFC Championship game. I really felt like these were the two best teams, and I saw nothing that made me think otherwise. Um, I also would said if if uh, if Josh Allen plays a game like he did against the Patriots, that they weren't going to get beaten. He was pretty good. <laughs> Mahomes went nuclear too. It they was pretty did. close. Yeah. Uh, I, I think during the chat, I was like, I, I was like, Mahomes is pulling his freaking Houdini act. And all that does, we talk about body blows, Nick, you know, the running game. Mm-hmm. You know, when you got four to six guys in the front seven constantly chasing around Mahomes in the first half of that game, and then they're trying to, you know, and he's still getting his first downs and still converting, they were gassed. You know, yeah. that's what makes the overtime rules so you know, unfair is those defenses are toast after a game like that. And, uh, it's, he, he was pretty amazing. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Donald Netanyahu, Netanyahu. He's in, he was in a lot. He was, uh, he was, he went big. Uh, he's part of our, our community and, and posts a lot. He went, he went in big on, uh, on the chiefs being overrated and, and Mahomes stat padding like, yeah, we might want to rethink that one. If if you haven't already given the, the kid his due, it's time. He's yeah. really good. And Josh Allen is really good. Yeah. Uh, if these aren't the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, who is? Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the yeah, other yeah, one. I meant to say young. I was like, did I say oh. young? Because I meant young. Who are the two best young quarterbacks in the NFL? And frankly, Aaron Rodgers might be the only one that is. That in the conversation, stand with that. Matt Stafford's really good too. I, I, I'm a yeah. big fan of Matthew Stafford, yeah. but as far as the next generation, the next who are the guys we're going to watch over the next ten years? We got a pretty good. We got a pretty good. These two have made a pretty good case. Yeah, I would also put uh, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow in the mix as well as guys who are nominees, not on Allen and uh, Mahomes' level, uh, just because the sample size. We've seen it over different seasons, different iterations. Uh, but will be interesting to see what happens here going forward. Man, the AFC, West, AFC is going to be so tough. We're talking about what can the Broncos do to close the gap here. The path to the Super Bowl in the AFC is going to be constantly difficult because you have some emerging gods at the quarterback position where the NFC feels a lot more wide open. Uh, really? I mean, what young quarterbacks in the NFC are you hanging your hat on right now? I'm having a hard time. It's all, it's the old guard in the NFC. Maybe guys like that, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott. Um, yeah, I wouldn't put them on the, the next guys, you know, Stafford's not young. I went and watched no. him in Texas in about 2005. So he's mid thirties then. Yeah. Um, let's see who, who else is in there? We'll have to see what Trey Lance does. You know, can Trey Lance step up and be a guy? Because he could Mac Jones his way into a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, Mac Jones was getting all of the all of the plaudits this year, and he's just a, a system guy first. You know, that was the whole team. Yeah. Well, are, are the 49ers in the in the championship game because of Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, no, they're they're, they're not. They're, they might be in there despite him. Yeah. So they're building a really, really good team. And if Trey Lance can upgrade that team, look out. 49ers yeah. are going to be tough. Yeah, they are. Uh, maybe Justin Fields as well. If they, I mean, if they bring in Brian Dabble with the quarterback power that they were using with the Bills and whatnot, I mean, the, uh, the Bills offense with Justin Fields and his size and speed and arm talent down the field, I think would be pretty pretty damn incredible. I really do. I hope they bring him in um, because that would be a lot of fun, Uh, but we'll see. Uh, The AFC is going to be tough for Denver. How can they close the gap? That's something we can talk about here uh, this offseason. Obviously, there are multiple avenues. 
easiest one is to, if you plug in an elite quarterback, you're going to have a chance, no dip, but they're uh, going to have to explore other avenues as well going forward. It's going to be a lot of fun, um, but it's, I think it's really important for Broncos country to understand the position that they find themselves in right now, given the quality of quarterback play in the AFC and in the AFC West, it's going to be a, a tough road to travel. Uh, falling soft coming in. Um, been a whole season of Cincinnati being doubted like this and surprise people who aren't paying attention. Going to be interested in these. That was the AFC Championship takes when Cincinnati's in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious to me that the Bills and the Chiefs are better football teams than the Bengals, better talent across the board. But you're talking about a single game. And in a single game, a lot of fluky things can happen. And you're talking about that the, the Bills versus the Chiefs was the AFC Championship game. That game probably resulted in a pretty big catharsis. Uh, I mean, talk about having to leave it all there on the field. I, I could see the Chiefs coming out maybe a little bit flat after that uh, that Sunday night game, just with how emotional it was, uh, what an incredible game it was, how much the defense was on the field, having to play a track meet. I mean, I could see them being tired. Um, the Bengals having an extra day of rest compared to the Chiefs as well. Uh, all these factors matter. It's not like the, Chief, the Cincinnati didn't just play a big emotional game as well on a last-second field goal, but it didn't feel as taxing <laughs> as the uh, the Chiefs-Bills game. So anything can happen. I, I agree that the best two teams in the playoffs remaining, let alone um, in the the AFC were the Bills and the Chiefs, but uh, Cincinnati's got a chance. When you have an elite quarterback that can make big plays, you got a chance. Yeah, you know, and, and Jamar Chase is there. He's a difference maker too. Uh, Joe Mixon can play. The The defense is good. Cincinnati's in the championship game for a reason. I wasn't surprised at all that they beat the Titans. If they go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs, I'll be surprised. I, yeah. I will be. It's a, it's a seven-point game. Um, I'd, I'd probably take the Chiefs to cover that right now, but, uh, but we'll see. Um, going to be interesting. I'll, I'll certainly say, Hey, I was surprised. I was wrong. I'm not afraid to do that. You can't be, uh, it won't, if you're going to make predictions, you better be able to, uh, to go back and, and answer up to them. So it will surprise me. I will be absolutely surprised if they, yeah. uh, if they're in the Super Bowl. So good luck to them. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, I just don't think the Bengals says, have the horses. We just got to speak center. what we want until it becomes true. <laughs> Gardner Minshew. <laughs> Make it happen. Positive affirmation, doggone it. I love that Gardner Minshew, uh, the story of Gardner Minshew, um, after he got the start for the Eagles marching into uh, Scangarelli. Is that the name? Skarinecki? Uh, Skarinecki's author? Scangarello? No, it's Nick Skarinecki, I want to say, um, the head coach of the Eagles, uh, marching in there saying, I want to start. And he just laughs him out of the room saying, you're not starting, buddy. I'm sorry. So uh, that's what you want to think about uh, Gardner Minshew, unfortunately. I don't think he's a... Uh, He's anything but a different flavor of not it, kind of like Drew Locke. Drew Locke maybe is Coke to Diet Min or <laughs> Diet Minshew, Gardner Minshew's Diet Coke. But uh, we got Dan Shane Daniels coming in saying, Morning, Nick and Scott. Great weekend of games. Just imagine if we took Josh Allen over Chubb at number five that year. God, I mean, we could play this game all game. Uh, and, and it's Nick Sierraini. Uh, I can't pronounce it. I'm having a hard time. It's I remember it because we. I can picture his we face. We saw him a couple times yeah. this year. Um, I don't know. Nick Sirianni. Never. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, he's he's out, but he's got a fun team coming forward. Uh, but yeah, Shane, it would be great if the Broncos took Josh Allen. Alas, here we are. Um, the Josh Allen one stinks. The not looking at quarterback in 2017 because he had Paxton Lynch that stinks. Um, maybe not trading up for Justin Herbert in the 2020 draft from 15 overall because you have Drew Locke in the house that stinks. 
Um, at some point, the Broncos are going to have to take a swing. You just hope they hit when they swing uh, because this does not look like a year where it would make sense to swing at the first pitch, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, and, and this is something that Nick and I talked about when we were going about on about Pat Sertan earlier. So this this goes way back to the beginnings with Nick and I, and, and he was lamenting that pick for the moment we first got on, on a show together. Uh, and I was like, well, listen, you got a pro bowler. You got a pro bowler edge guy in Bradley Chubb. You know, as long as you're hitting on those, you're, you're going to be okay. The problem is Bradley Chubb's looking less and less like a hit. You know, if Bradley Chubb is Bosa or Hendrickson or Von Miller, one of those guys, then, then you don't worry so much about it. Um, Y'all have heard me say, and let's say it all together now, it's not the guys you miss that kill you. It's the guys that you get and can't play that kill you. It's not that you don't have Josh Allen. It's the fact that Bradley Chubb has been really disappointing the last two seasons. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, he comes in, playing on a one-year deal, and he turns into that 15 to 17 sack guy that you thought when you had him. Then you, you forget about it a little bit. Um, you know, Pat Sertan is a pro, multiple-time Pro Bowl corner you don't worry so much that you didn't take Josh, uh, Justin Fields or Mac Jones. It's it's not as big a deal um, because, again, hindsight is a lot clearer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, did Nick, you you would know better than me. I, I wasn't following it that closely at the time. But does, there's no way anybody expected this out of Josh Allen or he wouldn't have been around. Yeah. Pat I mean, number one. Yeah. Um. I think the Bills actually identified him uh, early on. They were going to try to get up the trade hit for him, number one overall, the year that uh, would have been the Mitchell Trubisky draft. Um, then he went back for his senior year. At least that's, you know, who know if, who knows if that's true. But uh, they identified him a year early. And take that for people who say that these teams don't uh, look at the quarterback classes in the future because they don't know what's going to happen. Of course they do. And teams last year knew damn well or had a good in the, uh, a good idea that the 2022 quarterback class was not going to be as good as 2021. And that's why you saw the movement and the aggression that you did last year. And here we are. So I, there's a lot of talk last year. Oh, teams don't know. Somebody could Joe Burrow or Baker Mayfield. Well, duh. But then you have guys who Carson, uh, Christian Hackenberg and uh, Matt Barkley as well. You know, a lot of vol uh, volatile draft stock there with those quarterbacks. So damn well, these teams are looking at quarterbacks a year in advance, um, just trying to figure out the landscape uh, to put themselves in the best situation. I think that's, Hob hogwash, if you want to say otherwise. Some people were um, indicating as such last offseason. I don't want to throw any names out there, but that's bull BS. Um, Tim Greenwood coming in. Let me get off the uh, the anger here. Scott, how do you feel about Quinn as our head coach after having him in Atlanta? Yeah, Scott, if we get Quinn, we're going to have a lot of questions for you about the time in Atlanta and why it didn't work out. Uh, but what do you think about him off the cuff? I think the word I was looking for, I came up with corny several times. I was like, that's not quite the word. Um, he's He's rah-rah almost to the point of that where after a while it's going to wear off and become hokey. Mm. Um, if you're winning, it's great. The, you know, rise up, the in-brotherhood, the locked arms, all this stuff. It's what the Broncos need right now after they need that injection of enthusiasm and life after having this last coaching staff that had none of it. Uh, they need a coach that the players can trust and believe in and play for Dan Quinn brings all of that. Mm -hmm. um, how do I feel about him coming in? I think he will be again, it, the bar is low, so it will be an immediate upgrade. I think, I think you'll see an immediate bounce next year. Um, how sustainable is it will depend on the, the staff that he's able to put around him and 
the improved quarterback play, whether that comes from Drew Locke, the draft, or free agency. The quarterback play has to get better. Um, so how do I feel about him coming in? I'm, I'm excited for you in the short term because you're you're really, if and when he gets hired, you're really going to like him. You, you will. You'll really yeah. like because he'll be so different from what you've had that you're like, thank God we have a, a guy that we can cheer for now mm-hmm. instead of curmudgeon old this and that. Um, that and, and Peyton is in one year. I he's done more things I like than in twelve years of watching Thomas Dimitrov. Uh, yeah. What Thomas Dimitrov had going for him was an owner with deep pockets, deep pockets, and they could spend and they could spend big. Um, they could overspend, and you know what? We'll worry about it when the bill comes due later. Well, the bills do, and the Falcons roster is absolutely freaking horrible. It's it's mm-hmm. god awful right now. It's bad. And what's yeah. worse is they don't have any money to uh, to rebuild because Thomas Dimitrov spent it all three years ago in a last ditch effort to try and save his job. Um, so I would be ex- I'll be excited for you, and I'll be excited for watching this team again, um, where there was just so much you know head shaking. You're just you're watching them play, and there's just so much head shaking when you're watching the Denver Broncos play. Like they're you're better than this. Be better than this. Yeah. Uh, they will be. They'll they'll be better next year if uh, if Dan Quinn comes in and plays. There will be an immediate bounce, an uptick in enthusiasm, hustle, hard work, all that type of stuff. Yeah, a few more questions here that I think is I'm letting it play out and seeing how it goes. And I can like the schemes and not like the schemes, but as far as projecting these guys to be coaches, I think it's so hard to do with the information that we have that we won't really know until we see it. Other than with Quinn, who we have seen it before, so we kind of can make a. Uh, an educated guess on what it'll look like here. Not exactly a one-for-one because the situation will be different. The roster will be different. Um, and he's learned things. I'm sure since that he had, there's things he'd want to do differently mm-hmm. uh, given that he was fired and didn't work out the first time with the Falcons. But um, question for Quinn, how do you feel about his game management? Is he aggressive? Cause with Fangio, the big thing for me, the defense was great. Offense wasn't good. Special teams, blah, blah, blah. But it was the game management stuff. You know, the fourth down calls, not super aggressive. They're always, almost always going for the, more conservative decision and dropping the Broncos win probability in doing so in each of those decisions and the challenges. I've never seen a coach blindly challenge as much as Vic Fangio um, with the ideas. Also, there was complaints about Vic Fangio getting calls in late constantly, you know, back and forth trying to decide not a lot of gumption in, in as far as his decision-making going. So what do you think about Dan Quinn in those areas of the game management? Because that really does fall on the head coach. That, yeah, that stuff I think that's... he got a little too conservative at times, especially on defense. But again, how much of that is with personnel? Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at some of the big losses, you know, the, the old saying, the prevent defense just prevents you from winning. Um, it, it wouldn't prevent too much for my liking. Um, the, the, when the Falcons were good, they had double-digit sack guys, Jonathan Abraham, Vic Beasley. Um, but they haven't had those guys, but maybe once a decade since the 90s. Um so I thought he got a little too conservative. We talk about things you learn. You know, I've read the comments that Dan Quinn's, you know, his, his coaching record wasn't very good. He's barely 500. Well, at least he's got a coaching record. You know, that's mm-hmm. the one thing, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to dismiss this guy because he was a 500 coach in the NFL already. Well, this guy hadn't done anything yet. And that's part of the mentality. You know, these other guys, they, have, they haven't shown anything. It's all just hopes and dreams. Um, Dan Quinn has proven to be a successful coach. He's also proven that he can be unsuccessful. Uh, what are the circumstances that surround it? I've laid it at the feet more. Dan Quinn's not perfect. He's not blameless. Don't get me wrong on this. But Thomas Dimitrov was, was terrible. 
He was yeah. he was just awful. His default yep. reaction to everything was, let's get another wide receiver. You know, I know we just blew this huge lead. Let's get another wide receiver. I know we just gave up 48 points and didn't force the Packers to punt. We should trade five picks for a wide receiver. You know, it's it's insanity. Yeah. Um, so and some breaking I think news. Working uh, with Peyton can be a very, very successful partnership moving yeah. forward. I agree. And some breaking news, not super shocking, but uh Mike Close saying, per source, Dan Quinn is indeed coming into Broncos headquarters this week for a second interview. Um, probably your, I would say your odds on favorite there. Um, my odds on favorite is Ethan coming in here with the 50 euros again. Uh, food for thought on Broncos for breakfast. Both underdogs have already beaten the favorites this year. 49ers beaten the Rams twice. Bengals beat the Kansas City a few weeks ago. Any given Sunday, right? Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, when Patrick Mahomes goes nuclear, it's pretty hard, damn hard to beat the Chiefs. Um, but... Patrick Mahomes, as we've seen, he's not the same high variance that we see with Josh Allen, but he is prone to throw up some turnover-worthy plays. And with the Bengals, with the weapons they have and whatnot on the defense that they have, if Patrick Mahomes, let's say the Bengals get into a 14, or the Chiefs get into a 14-0 to hole in the first half, maybe they can start to squeeze out the, the clock a little bit. Pretty hard with the Chiefs um, because they can go nuclear and move the ball uh, 70 yards in 13 seconds. Um, but any given Sunday, man, this, these are tough teams and football is a, a game that's played in the margins, especially in the NFL. So Bengals are not hopeless in this game. Ethan, remember our food for thought last week that Tennessee Titans uh, were four and against the teams that were remaining in the playoffs. And I just told, I told you, I said, there's something in my brain that just can't make the connection. I feel like they are the weakest team that are still in the play in the playoffs on the AFC side yet they beat all the teams that they might face. That, yeah. that, that didn't jive with me. Something didn't, didn't work out. My gut was telling me that this was the weakest team they were. Mm-hmm. Regular season doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. For, you're, you're not going to convince me. Going back to, I was an anti-playoffs guy in the, in the college football for a long, long, long time. That was back when they were playing 11 games, not 15. Um. And I'd make these arguments all the time that it's the only regular season that matters. Uh, well, what about this? What about this? No, the, the, the Giants proved everything when they went nine and seven, lost all three games to the teams they beat in the playoffs on the road as a wild card. The regular season does not matter. What matters now is I think Kansas City is a better team. Uh, I think the LA Rams are the better team. I don't think the weather is going to be a factor in order to help neutralize, especially in LA. Uh, to help neutralize the passing game of Matthew Stafford. And they've got a, a really good front four with the Rams that I like the Rams in this one. And I, I like the chiefs. So chiefs, chiefs, Rams in, in the Super Bowl. Go Von Miller, baby. That's, <laughs> that's what I'll be saying. I don't give a bleep if it's the last pick in, in every single round. Um, I cannot see Kansas city winning another Super Bowl already. I'm going to be beside myself. It's pretty <laughs> unfortunate that uh, the bills probably, you, you think the bills win that game if it's in Buffalo? Probably right. I mean, it's who knows. Yeah, but probably, probably with the with the the sound, the you know with the yeah, the home field advantage was enough. I mean, that game was that was a scratch game. Yeah. You know, going in, I said this feels like a pick'em, and I it, it, it when I was asked on the Buffalo podcast, who thinks going to said this feels like a pick'em to me, uh, and then Kansas City will probably be favored by the home field margin. Mm. That's how it turned out. Yeah. Um, kudos to I think it was it might have been Boomer Esiason. I was watching the CBS pregame. And I think he was the one that had the teams had it going into overtime. I think he picked he picked the Bills. We said this one's going into overtime. So uh, nice job on the pregame show. I give those guys enough hell that um, I uh, want to make sure that you call them out when they do a really good job. Yeah. Nope. 
Absolutely. That's, that's a, that's a good call. Um, any more supers in here that we want to get to right now, or do you want to talk some more about the, uh, the games yeah, I here? At... I think we're caught up except for this, uh, spammer that you've probably already bounced. I blocked him. Yep. Yeah. You got him. Okay. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we got Nathan saying bills win this game. If they win the coin toss, definitely possible. But, uh, unfortunately that's the way the game works. Um, I personally would have squibbed, um, the, the kick there to give Why? the, because I think I could, uh, clock five seconds off there and i Maybe. think then the chiefs only See, have because i've watched it and remember you got to remember how many leads i've seen blown in my yeah. lifetime as 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 an atlanta sports fan the squib kick is maddening when you're only when you're in a three-point game mm -hmm. because most of the time it's 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 kneeled down by the front line yeah so you're giving the other team the ball at the 40 or the 45 and you didn't run a second off the clock and with yeah, 13 I'm... seconds left, boot that thing through the end zone and make yeah. them go 25, you know, 40 yards in 13 seconds. Because, um, again, what you'll see on a squib like that is the ball will roll and they'll just fall on it. They'll just, I want whoever to... it is, will just fall on it. And if it happens to hit one of the up men, you just gave them 20 yards and you didn't run a, a second off the clock. So in a three-point game, I think the squib is the absolute it, like I said, I've seen it backfire so many times Man. that it's it's maddening. So if you can kick it through the end zone, do it. If you can't, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you know squibbing it. If you don't, but every carry can kick it through the end zone right now. No yeah. way. Boot it I through just, the end zone. Put them on the 25. There's 13 freaking seconds left. Yeah, I was hoping to get it down to maybe eight seconds where they have time for only they two wouldn't plays. Pick it up. You don't you think wouldn't I pick would it up? You just fall on it. The clock doesn't start until the offense touches a ball. And if they don't put it in play and they fall on it immediately, the clock doesn't tick. Not a second. I think I probably would have pooched it to the 10 then. Not maybe not a squib, but something where you're forcing them to field it uh, mm -hmm. in some way. I mean, you're, it's an NFL kicker. If they can't do that, then I don't know what to even say. Uh, but where they ha they are forced to field it a little bit. And I don't know if it was different in the college because the college rules, you can fair catch that one now. Yeah, I don't think you can in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's probably what I would have done just to force them to field the play there to take five seconds off the ball. And I understand that, you know, bad things can happen in those situations when you're giving those kicks, but you know, when, when other times bad things can happen is when you give the ball to Patrick Mahomes. Um, so I'm taking off as much time as I possibly can before giving it to Patrick Mahomes, especially that def that team should have known how gassed the defense was. They were running on fumes. The cornerback room was, I mean, they already lost Tredavious white, um, I guess hats off to Johnson who played a pretty good game there for the bills, but their cornerback depth was their Achilles heel. I would say coming into this game and it showed there at the end. Yeah. Take almost take your chances with the return, make it returnable one way or another, but yeah. a squib can backfire spectacularly. If yeah. you can kick it as high as you can to the 10, make them field it while you can get down there. Yeah. I'm okay with that. But um, you know, the squib, like I said, I've, I've watched them do it. And and Matt Ryan has a ton of field goal comebacks. Most of his comebacks are field goals. He's so bad in the red zone. <laughs> Falcons have always been so bad in the red zone. Most of his comebacks have all been field goal. So it's it's squib, cover it. You're at the 35. One decent pass play and you're in field goal range. You know, so it's the squib, you know, no, it's 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 it was it's it's the wrong call. Yeah. You, you cannot convince me otherwise. I've seen it go wrong way too many times. You get better field position and no clock. Yeah. So Peter yeah. coming in and said, when the Broncos played the Bengals, we were fighting for the wild card spot. 
But now look at them. Why isn't their OC getting a second interview? They've done a they've done great since that game. Um, where is he being interviewed in other places? Because remember, we're looking at things through tunnel vision. I, I get the feeling that the Broncos think that they get whoever they want. It's what it feels like, Nick. It feels like all we can get whoever we want. It's we're we're the number one choice. We're drafting first in this quarterback battle. Uh, maybe Brian Dayball said thanks, but no thanks. Maybe Brian Callahan has said thanks, but no thanks. So there's that type of of, of information too. Yep, we'll see what happens um, with that in that regard. But uh, Callahan, I was decently impressed with the Bengals this season. Um, I, it's hard to say what they were, should have done with the offensive line, given how bad it was. You know, when you're dealing with that much of an offensive line, it's really a testament to Burrow to hang in there and uh, create those plays. But uh, we'll see what happens with the Bills going forward or the Bengals going forward. Um, just maybe not as impressive as those other guys. I don't know. I think, I mean, maybe also you think that O'Connell can do a better job creating passing offense uh, with regardless of the quarterback, given what he's done with Goff and now Stafford one season versus maybe having a first overall pick coming of age in Joe Burrow. Maybe that's a little bit more impressive uh, with O'Connell. So uh, who knows? Uh, we're not in the room. We can only speculate. Uh, Jelly coming in 199 super. Who's O'Connell's coordinators if hired? Hashtag MHH. Oh gosh. Um <laughs> Excellent question. I typically you see them pick some of the guys from the staff that they were on, but I, I'll be honest, I, I have not done that much of a digging in the Ram staff. I don't know who O'Connell's inside people would be in this situation. He's probably the people knew that Hackett and Quinn from the beginning were probably the most likely guys, but after that, it was oh, we'll see who impresses. O'Connell apparently is the dude, uh, but who's his coordinators? I don't have a lick of clue right now. Yeah, so I, I just brought him up. I'm like, all right, who, who might you bring with you? And I just noticed that Thomas Brown is the running backs coach. Um, he played in 4A with, uh, with Sean McVay, which is kind of mm -hmm. interesting. I, I didn't know that's where he was. Um, he, they were probably 10 minutes apart in high school. Sean McVay was at Marist and Thomas Brown was at Tucker. Um, Thomas Brown was a big-time uh, big recruit and went to the University of Georgia. Assistant quarterbacks coach, Zach Robinson, been there three years. Someone that you might want to keep an eye on. Um, older guy, Eric Yarber, uh, wide receivers coach. He's been there. Uh, he's been uh, coaching 10 years. So those are the kind of things that I look at for, you know, you're not going to have a, a defensive coordinator make a, a lateral move. And um, Raheem Morris could end up being a head coach mm -hmm. during this cycle as well. Um, a lot of eyeballs in here. We got 323 on a Monday morning. I feel like that's about the uh, as high as we've, we've posted. So make sure you're hitting that like subscribe and share button we appreciate you you're taking your morning with us on a monday yeah and ethan coming back in here to support us uh before we get on out of here saying sean hockley is my hero stood up to brady and called bs on his language to the officials uh after you missed the call after you missed the call yeah i mean <laughs> anybody any of the hockley's are okay in my book um they just have to order an extra small ref shirt from Foot Locker and uh, just hit the weight room. Uh, I loved Ed growing up, one of my favorites, and uh, now Sean's in the game. So uh, anybody who can stand up to Brady and tell him to shove it where the sun, don't, sun doesn't shine is okay in my book. Yeah, you got – I mean, Brady had a point, so it was one of those where you feel like, you know, I'm going to earn my 15. You know, I, yeah. I did get hit in the helmet. He did hit the crown of his helmet in my face. Look, my effing lips bleeding. Yeah. Um, but – you know, you don't give away all of your secrets before the game. You basically taunted the refs beforehand saying, yeah, I get away with trash talk to the refs a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit. And, you know, Hockley's probably saying not on my watch. You're not now I'm pissed. So, you know, wait until wait until after this season to say something like that. Yep. 
Absolutely. Um, and we got Pablo coming in, uh, we got, showing that Broncos country is everywhere, uh, not just in Denver and Colorado, but everywhere. Uh, Pablo, shout out from Brazil. I've been watching you guys since the Bulls draft cycle. Oh my gosh, Pablo. That's a, that's a ways back. Uh, what should be the top five draft, po- draft prospects for the number nine overall pick for the Broncos? This is a good way to get on out of here. Um, for me, my top five would be the Hmm. I think there is a pretty clear top five. I'm going to take Derek Stingley out right now because the foot stuff actually scares me a tad for him from somebody said, Hey, watch out for that foot. When I hear that, I'm like, Oh, maybe pump the brakes. Um, so top five, Evan Neal, Ike McQuanu, the two offensive linemen. Um, after that, it is the two edge rushers, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. And then after that, it is Kyle not, Hamilton. Not nope. Start over, start over, read the question, which would be the top five prospects for the Broncos at nine. You just mentioned four guys that aren't going to be there at nine. I'm making my big board with the top five, uh, <laughs> top five right there. Um, if I, if I, if I have to take out those five, then I'm looking at the cornerbacks in the next group of edge rushers. Yeah. Um, so, but then so guys, guys to watch, maybe Kyle Hamilton falls, maybe safety, maybe Derek Stingley who needs safeties. Derek Stingley could, could drop there. Maybe a Quanu is a possibility. I don't think so at this point though, Nick, no. I, I think, you know, so I, you're looking at defensive end, uh, edge guy, uh, Ajabo. From Michigan, possibility. Uh, Carl Loftus, I've seen him all up and down the board. Um, yeah. George Carl Loftus, Edge, Purdue. Um, how about Leal? Could Leal have a monster, a monster pro day and jump his way like into that some, top ten? It sounds like there is some character stuff that might knock him down the board, where he's actually more likely to be a day two pick than he is a round one pick, despite his uh pedigree um there's some i mean he was just arrested for marijuana which again i don't care that he's smoking marijuana but to have marijuana with this interview process coming up is a little yeah, bit of a make good decisions is what that means and yes. that's, that's a poor decision yes um there's apparently some we'll just see how that plays out but there's a reason that his profile is sliding i think is the way to put it uh there's the both linebackers there. I've actually, I don't love using a first round pick on a linebacker, but um, I do think that with the versatility and the size and the movement skills that um, Lloyd out of Utah is an option there. Um, I would take him over Nicobe Dean. I think he's more scheme transcendent than Nicobe Dean is. Nicobe Dean is fast, but like to be as small as he is, you need to be a piss missile, piss missile. And he's not, I don't see him. He's not as fast as uh, Devin white or uh, Micah Parsons. And he's, you know, 20, 30 pounds smaller, um, which matters. So uh, I don't like him as much. Sauce Gardner, Andrew Booth Jr., both guys I would consider up there. That uh, impressed me a heck of a lot. And then also I think you have a chance that you could see that third offensive lineman rise a bit as well. I'm curious, 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 senior bowl guy. You're going to be down there to see him. Trevor Penning. Um, he's one who is 6'7", 320. Uh, if he goes down there and dominates in Mobile, he's somebody who could, I think could push his stock up into the back end of the top 10. Um, the other one who is a dark horse still here. I didn't really love his tape so much, but I think a lot of it is what George is asking him to do. And that's Trevon Walker. You just don't see many guys who are, you know, 275, 6'4", with the arm length and the movement skills that Trevon Walker has. Um, I wish he, he plays defensive end sometimes, like an offensive tackle, where like he's just too happy to be in a stalemate and use his length and like, oh, we're in a, st- a stall. Looks great. He'd be a great offensive tackle. But is, some of, is that some of that Georgia holding him back to make a second leverage or second layer of coverage and to protect the quarterback from sneaking out? I don't know. Um, I, I couldn't speak to that. But those there's a bunch of guys at nine. I listed my top five. But after that, after those five, really, I don't know. That's And that speaks to this class on, as a whole. There's lots, there's lots of guys right now. Uh, who'd be your top five prospects for the Broncos at nine? I think a dream is, is a guy like Kyle Hamilton falls down the board. 
and mm-hmm. you plug him in as a starter at safety, um, which there is an opening. You know, Caden Stearns could have that spot, but right now there's there's Justin Simmons in a vacant safety spot, and Kyle Hamilton's plug and play, and you can he can change everything you can do. Um, and then you know the, the corners that he mentioned: uh, Sauce Gardner, Andrew Booths, Derek Stingley. Um, and then maybe one of the offensive linemen, Charles Cross, could be an, Charles uh, Cross. an option coming in at right tackle. So those are guys to keep an eye on. And I would not put a, necessarily a linebacker in that spot. And I definitely would not put a quarterback as the top five guys you're hoping to get in that spot. Uh, and yeah. one more before we get out of here on the, the the coaching search. So did you see how the Bronx have been doing behind the scene videos on the head coaching search? It looks pretty cool. I saw the tweet. I didn't watch the video. Uh, I'm just interested in who they get, not how they get him. Um, but yeah. that's just me. I've got a... ADD brain. I scrolled past it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've not seen it yet, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I enjoy those after the fact, but I'm so busy. I'll be honest with you. This weekend was a lot of football walk, a lot of outside time. Cause it didn't rain back to back days in January in Seattle. So you got to make sure you enjoy your outside time when that happens. And uh, I'm starting to really grind college tape. So what the Broncos are putting out, that's great and all, but I need to make sure I understand who these prospects are in the top 100. Um, so that way I can talk about it. Then coming in here, um, what do you guys think about the Green Bay writer who tweeted Rodgers and Adams for four first-round picks and a second-round pick? First off, I think I would do that. Um, you bring in Adams with those guys and whatnot. But the big question is here, where's that extra first-round pick coming from? Because you can only trade uh, first-round picks up to three years in the future. So 2022, 2023, 2024. Broncos don't have four first-round picks in that time. So you have to do something to get an additional first-round pick before that's even possible. Those guys are on the last year of their contracts. Yeah. That's something else to consider also Yeah, is, you know, wait for a year and, you know, tap up Devante and say, play your contract, dude. And I'll make you the highest paid receiver in, in football. We've got the money to do it and it won't cost me anything. Um, You know, so not first off, I think that's way too much period. Uh, Second off, it's not possible. You don't have four first round picks to trade. And third, both of those guys are in the last year of their contracts. You, you're you're selling. You're selling, so you get. Typically, you're just trying to get something for them before they walk away in free agency. You're not going to get a bounty like that. So, Green Bay Rider tweeted that Rodgers and Adams for four first round picks and second round picks. Pie in the sky, my friend. Pie in the sky. And Vin, welcome to the show. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Vin. It, it's possible you can trade uh, four first round picks, but you have to have them over three seasons. So, like right now, the Philadelphia Eagles could trade five first round picks if they wanted to, because they own three in this draft cycle. So there's not a limit on first round picks. I guess there is because there's only what 32 times three available over three seasons. Um, <laughs> but nobody's going to own that many first round picks, but um, you have to accumulate those picks there. There is one weird caveat, a uh, rule where once the first team is on the clock officially, that's when the net, the four seasons in the future, first round picks become available. So when the draft is ongoing, the 2024, five first round picks will be available to trade such a weird rule. Um, but that's the only possibility. Um, Green Bay going to franchise tag uh, Devonte Adams. That's what it sounds like. And Bama X saying, well, Green Bay is going to franchise tag and Green Bay is going to have to do some creative cap work. And I'm not sure yeah. throwing $20 million on Devonte Adams is going to help them get out of their $50 million hole right now. Um, if you look at their dead cap versus their, their salaries and start doing the reverse math, who, who are some of the guys that are going to be set up for restructures? Devonte is one of those guys. And franchising him is just going in the wrong direction. Um, and then Albert coming in has a, a good comment here. With Sutton, Patrick, Judy, and Hamler, why do you need Adams? Um, that is where you start talking about maybe you use uh, one of those guys as part of a trade package for 
your quarterback if you go after him. But then, you know, it's like we want we want Rodgers and Adams. You guys can't afford them. You need some salary cap relief. Here, why don't you take one of our former first round picks who's 10 years younger? Um, but again, uh, four first round picks and a one or whatever. I, you lost me at four first round picks. Um, yeah. It's it just unprecedented, not going to happen. And especially not for a guy who's 39, for God's sakes. No way. Yeah. I uh, I can't say that I'm totally against the idea. <laughs> I'll put it out there just because when you have the quarterback, you have a shot. And I don't even think your window opens up until then. Um, but who knows? Uh, I think you... I am, I'm willing to risk it. I think at this point, but you probably need to, I would be looking to maybe trade somebody like a Clee comes in here saying Chubb, Judy Fant um, to make that first round pick. Not, not as, not as bad. And also you're talking about with Aaron Rodgers, you're talking about the first round pick, hopefully being pick 26 or later every single year. And that, I mean, you could have three picks in that range right now. And that wouldn't equal the fifth overall pick in this upcoming draft. So a first round pick is not equal first round pick. You should be expecting those to be at the back end of the first round. Um, and that makes it a little bit more palatable for me, but uh, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Um, guys, we're going to get on out of here. As long as you know, there's supers coming in. We appreciate you guys so much. We will see you again tomorrow morning to further break this down to see if there's any news coming out from the Broncos coaching search. Could um, be a gut reaction pod could, could between be a gut now and the next pod. 24 hours. Gut reaction yeah. Broncos name, new coach. I, that was what somebody let off with. I don't think it's going to happen. I think you're, they're still talking second interviews. Um, you know, I think you whittle it down. You get it down to your three. A little bit more due process. And there's some negotiations going on for sure. Yeah. Yep. So I yeah. don't expect it. To, I don't expect it today. Yeah. Nope. Me neither. Uh, but who knows? We'll have the second round of interviews here. And what makes it... I think there's also information here where the Broncos can second round interview the likes of Dan Quinn and Nathaniel Hackett, but they're going to have to wait for O'Connell and maybe that makes it a little bit tougher to bring in O'Connell. So we'll see what happens here. Um, but uh, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, we got Dylan saying great conversation as always, everyone make sure you hit that like button on the way out. One more thing. If it lasts through the week, it is O'Connell. If it okay. goes radio silence, it's O'Connell. That means they've got their guy. Yeah. And uh, he was one that uh, after they named him, I was like, Ooh, that one really interests me because I'm looking for a offensive mind who helps the quarterback and comes up with a scheme where the first guy is open and you also isolate good playmakers. And guess what? I mean, Cooper Cup's a great player on his own, but some of that is scheme where the first read is open that consistently with the pre-snap motion to get it go from a three by or four by one to a two by three and go ahead. Sorry. Matthew Stafford's got one of the best arms I've ever scouted. Yeah. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. He's been a Detroit Lion. It's it's crazy. Detroit has, in its history, three of the greatest players of all time, two of them unquestionably in Calvin yeah. Johnson and Barry Sanders. And Matthew Stafford was criminally underrated because he's playing for the Detroit Lions and they've done nothing. Yeah. I mean, can we how long how long before you go down an all-time list before you hit Barry Sanders? I bet you the guys above him played from some meaningful football games, at least in a Super Bowl. Do the same thing with Calvin Johnson. I bet the guys above him have a couple of rings. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's it's Detroit, man. Yeah. Matthew Stafford is really, really good. Yeah. He is. I mean, who who knew uh, Odell Beckham can still play? It's just if your quarterback can't hit a backside dig, maybe you're not going to be very good. Uh, I didn't really – I feel like I got group synced into loving Baker Mayfield, loving Baker Mayfield. I was a little bit skeptical from the beginning. Should have stuck to my guns on that one. I should have stuck to my guns on Josh I, Allen, too. I, I, I'm a fan of Baker Mayfield. Just look at the record of the Browns before he got there. 
You know, yeah. I mean, you, you have to take this all of the, take all this as you know relative. Their record was like four and sixty, you know, four years before Baker Mayfield got there. You know, there's it's it's all relative. We're not all the Denver Broncos out here in football land. I tell you, yeah. we don't all yeah. have six, eight Super Bowls under our belts and three or four wins. It, it just you know, you're talking about a team that's never been to the Super Bowl. It was a laughing stock since they got reinstated after they got stolen by Baltimore. I mean, yeah, it's relative. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, but Baker Mayfield this year was bad. I think that's not that's not relative. He maybe he was broken. Maybe something else is going on there. But this year, not good. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We'll see you again tomorrow morning. You can follow Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you're following us at Huddle Up Pod and at Mile High Huddle. If you guys like the coffee mugs, the gear, et cetera, et cetera, drinking here, everyone. Hope you're enjoying your coffee. Uh, Make sure you head over to huddleuppod.com to check out the gear there. If you like the gear too, but you're thinking, ah, I don't really want to spend the money on that right now because you're just helping us so much with the contributions in the live chats or the live stream. Um, make sure you go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and a review for a chance to win some of the gear for free. Um, that helps us a lot too. Uh, go to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod to join the conversation there. And also subscribe, like, and share to YouTube, not only Mile High Huddle, but also Scott's channel at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy, where Scott is going to be in Mobile in a week and a half now, two weeks. Um, so uh, where's Scott's beanie? There's the question. Oh, next week. We go, we'll be in uh, we'll be in be in Mobile on Monday. My beanie is sitting on the couch where I was watching the games last night. So it's uh it's sitting it's sitting upstairs where I had it on all day. I had on my Chelsea stuff and my Broncos for breakfast. Uh, beanie all day. Yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe got to wash it. Um, that's, or you can just wear the same sweatshirt over and over again. Like I do, uh, to bed. So Ethan can give me a hard time. You guys, we love you. We're going to get on out of here. Uh, you can see that I'm crazy and disheveled. I need to get going. I got to get on into work. Uh, love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Go Broncos. Have a good one. Choose kindness, choose compassion. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country.